The cream rises in this situation and those that actually are having those deep internal, really good conversations, they're probably doing great. The ones that aren't and are trying to use technology or just trying to get away with it, it just doesn't work. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Kevin Birch. Kevin is the CEO of Quest Pro Consultants based in Dallas, Texas. Kevin co-founded Quest Pro in 1996. They're a staffing and recruiting firm specializing in the insurance and risk management industry nationwide, and they've grown to 35 employees. Kevin, welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm uh, happy to be here as a, as a fan of the show and uh, a few friends of mine and colleagues within the industry uh, have been on this, so uh, exciting Fantastic. to kind of be a well, part of it. Uh, yeah, we, you were referred by Gail Audibert, who is a superstar. We love Gail. Uh, we're in the Gail Audibert fan club, so I appreciate her uh, referring you that's to a, That's me. a big club. That's <laughs> yeah, a huge club. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, she, she is uh, one of my favorites out there, and um, as we, I think, often either – We've chatted about this industry, but other than that, I think she's probably kicked me in my rear just about as many times as I've needed to be kicked. And sometimes that I think we all need that. So she's really good at that. So <laughs> by being nice at doing it, but she lets you know she about it. She is super nice. So um, can I just ask, because you, I think you know Gail through uh, a, an industry association yes. uh, at the Association of Insurance Recruiters Amer- yeah, America. Yeah, National Insurance Recruiters Association, yeah. which... Actually, way back when there were two of them um, that sat out there, um, and we happened to be in one of them. Yeah, and that's how I how I met Gail um, and and many others um, that we compete with on a daily basis. But uh, it, it's it's kind of like a built in group of folks that support each other. The, the big point of that in, of that group is to do splits. Um, ah, my firm's one of the larger ones in there, yeah. and we we don't do a great job at doing that. Maybe because we're too concerned with our own. Um, but I've learned so much throughout the years, and um, amazing friends um, out of that group. And there's some unbelievably talented people that sit in that group, um, and they continue to add to it. Just bringing in some of the newer members that are also have talent, which uh, as with this industry switches and changes and maneuvers itself into what its current form, uh, it's good to get to talk to those folks. Kevin, this is a bit of a tangent. Uh, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but uh, I'm just curious on your take. You, because you're in a, an association with other insurance recruiters and who you mentioned, like yeah. some of whom are your direct competitors, what's your mindset around collaborating, sharing ideas and, and being in a community with your competitors. Cause you know, when I was coming up and recruiting, it was very secretive and like the other agencies were the enemy oh, yeah. and you didn't talk to them. And it was this kind of a, uh, a thing. And, um, obviously the, the world's evolved since then. And, and, uh, but, but yeah. tell me your perspective. Yeah, I think when we first got involved, um, which was back in the day, was one of my partners, um, kind of the really the lady that founded this. Uh, her name's Lauren Lauren Levinson. Lauren's Lockie now. Um, she she had really kind of pushed to join this, which was a fantastic idea. And back then, you were very guarded because, as you said, it was 
you don't share, right? It's like, well, we have our clients because we're the only ones that could surely know that all these huge insurance companies are possibly hiring, even though that logic makes no sense. Um, it's evolved over time to where I think, you know, especially in this group now, you know, we share a lot of things, um, not just thoughts on daily management of staff or how to fill a job, but contracts and what contracts we're using, how we're paying individuals, um, commission plans. Um, and not to say that you always switch them, but it could be a way to either verify or, you know, show you that, yeah, okay, you're doing things the right way. Um, the other things is during, uh, one of the best things I got out of it was during COVID. Um, we had a small group. Um, there were about six of us, six owners. And Gail, uh, Gail was the one that kind of spearheaded it, shocking, uh, that to get us together and just talk about what's going on. And that lasted for, you know, about a year, 18 months. And, and it was incredibly helpful uh, to me and I, I assume to the others um, within the group. And it, it just was, a you know, to have that idea of what they're doing, how they're doing it, how they're, what business they're seeing. And they're in the exact same industry. So you can say, well, it's different there. It, it isn't different for them to us. So it has been really impactful. And even, you know, just going to the conference, which again, you know, I, I'm not the uh, make it every single year guy. I, I honestly can say that, but um, every other for sure. And I, I really, after this year, probably realized it is something again, it, just talking about what's going on in our industry, the changes. Um, and now the education that you get while you're at this conference is one thing. Um, I used to always say, and this was uh, wrong, I used to say I would go there and I would come back and then I would say, okay, here's a few things I got out of it. I got to hang out with some people. I got to play golf, which I, I love to do. But then I would say, well, one thing it showed me is we should be winning. You know, some of these people, we can, we, we you know, we're better than them. And I, I haven't said that in a long time because I don't feel that way. It kind of comes back and now I verify that, hey, they're seeing the same things we're seeing or, hey, they're doing really, really well. And here's some of the things that I learned that they're doing that we're not. Um, or, you know, so maybe we could take little pieces of those and not just flip the switch on, but learn to evolve our practices or evolve our company. Um, and hopefully vice versa, maybe somebody got something out of me while we're there, um, whether it, we do a little more contract staffing than some of the, the companies in there. And I would hopefully can lend some advice or thoughts about why we do that or really the trials and tribulations of doing that versus people just thinking, Oh, it looks so easy. And I'm sure it's, it's, it's great. Um, awesome. yeah, there, there's a lot of positives to it. Yeah. Versus being concerned about being this competitor, right? It's it, it we all can get the information. It's how you use it. I agree a hundred percent. I, we have our own community here at recruitment coach and, uh, with recruiters all over, in different industries and sectors uh, in the UK and the US and, and, and Europe, a few other places, is so valuable to share ideas and connect with people who understand exactly like what you're going through, have similar goals, similar challenges. You know, they can help and support each other. And, um, you know, your spouse, your friends, 
you're, you know, they obviously want the best for you and they, they're rooting for you, but they really don't know what this industry is like and, and the highs and lows and everything else. And so having, being able to talk to other folks who are seeing the same things you're seeing and, you know, comparing ideas, um, technologies, tools, strategies just can be really, really valuable. Um, agree. Yeah. So I always like to ask people, Kevin, how you got, how they got started in recruiting. So what is your origin story? Yeah. So I, um, I got out of college and I had a radio television film degree and was 1000% sure since probably early high school that I was the next ESPN host or play-by-play person. Oh, cool. Um, sports fanatic. And there was no doubt. So I worked interned at a really small station. They gave me a job. Um, I did a terrible job as a about to be graduate of uh, figuring out where I should work. So this one place that actually I interned at, I liked it. I liked the environment. They hired me as um, on air on the weekends and uh, sales during the week because you make very little really in both, to be honest. Um, And I figure out real quick, I am enjoying just as much the sales part of it. Um, I loved the chase. I enjoyed it. I was selling really to kind of have something to support this show that probably had two people listening and both of them were probably my family um, (laughs) that were listening to this little jazz radio station. Well, they sold about a year, a little over a year in, they sold, they owned several stations, uh, the family that owned them and they sold them to a uh, Spanish speaking conglomerate of stations and i walked into the office and they said do you you're from san antonio do you happen to speak spanish and i said no i do not and they said okay well the, today's your last day wow um and i was like whoa okay so i started uh obviously the looking and i really wanted to stay in dfw um and a friend of mine actually said hey you mentioned that you really enjoyed the sales part and um i've got this friend that does recruiting and you might want to go check that out. And I just said, I have no idea what you're talking about other than sports recruiting. Right. Is that is that what you're talking about? Is that they're going out and, oh, no, this has nothing to do with sports. Um, so I, I well, what the heck? I, I put in my little resume. A uh, person called me. I went in and interviewed. And I started that next Monday um, at a firm that really did multiple disciplines. Um, insurance was one of them. And I was put into the insurance area and was trained by this person uh, who I think was just a phenomenal trainer. Um, business and how you think recruiting firms should be run, we could sit here and debate. Um, that probably wasn't his strength, uh, but it, his training ability, I think he could have been Cahillish, if you to be, I, yeah. I still look back at him. He was that good, um, and so I sat there at a little four desk uh, situation. Although we had about eight or nine of them, there was probably about forty people total at this firm, and um, there was accounting, there was uh, insurance, and then there was a corrugated box, really specialized group of uh, folks that did corrugated box plants. And I sat with no computers, just a phone and a bunch of paper. And this was in '94. Um, so yeah, that, that was my start. And I just sat at that four desk and I always talk about, uh, I was the only person at that four desk top that stayed the same for that two plus years. I literally probably had mm, 
10, 11 others that, that kind of rolled in through with me. I had, I had friends for this long and then they would go away. <laughs> so it was, it's, uh, oh, man. It, it's a crazy bit. I figured out right then it's crazy. Well, uh, really, really crazy. Kevin, this, this actually segues into something I want to talk to you about because you've got incredible tenure in your business and in our industry, you've, you just made a joke about it there, but it's so true that revolving door where like you see people come and go, there is a, a high failure rate among rookie yeah. recruiters. And even with experienced recruiters, there's the people get burnt out and they churn. And, uh, so you've over the last 25 years or so, you've, you've built an organization, which, you know, is, uh, an achievement in itself to, to build up 35, um, people. But the thing that stood out to me when I was preparing for this, uh, meeting was you've got, let me just review my notes here. Because you you mentioned you've got uh, three or four people who've been with you for over twenty years, you've got several yep. more in the sort of ten to fifteen year range, and you've got lots between five and ten years, which is phenomenal. Like that's quite unusual. Could you speak a little bit about your culture and how you've been able to retain your staff for so long? Yeah. I- you know, it was one of the things when we when we left that firm, and really, it wasn't my idea. I was, uh, I was thankfully drug along um, by Lauren and uh, Trey, who was another person that there was really the three of us. Um, it, and one of the things that I think we wanted to do was we we noticed that right. It was um, it was just a, a you would just turnstile people. You'd he'd spend so much time training people, and I and I get it. You know, this business is difficult and. Um, the people that want to sit at a desk and in those days make a hundred to 130 calls a day. That was the only way to survive in his mind. Uh, I, I believed it. I bought into it. Um, at some point, by the way, um, I, I, I believe it just to kind of segue real quick, um, about four months in, I got a really good talking to from Lauren, um, in her office. And she basically said, I think you can do this. You're really smart. I don't, she probably had that a little off, but, um, I was, I was faking it. Um, but you're not doing enough. Like you're, you're not doing enough and you need to kind of up your game. Mm. And, and I, uh, I don't know why I took that to heart, but I did. It, it literally transformed. I also went from doing a draw to, I, I needed a hundred percent commission. I needed to be kind of pushed in some way. So I did that hundred, and it worked. So when we made this transition, um, one of the things we really wanted to do was figure out, okay, what were the things that were really not right there? Um, and some of the things had to do with just the very much culture. Um, we were still wearing, you know, not ties, but we were wearing slacks and shirts and uh, every day except for Friday. Um, so we decided kind of to make it a little more casual. And then really, you know, outside of me sitting there having to dial the phone, the interaction was was pretty limited. Um and so we really tried to change that and be more involved, not overseeing, not, you know, hey, do this, do this, do this. If you don't do this, you're out of here type, but really teach this business and then maybe truly actually have empathy uh, mm. for people and, and understand that this is hard. I mean, listen, she could have let me go that day, right? I really wasn't giving a whole lot to that firm at that moment for whatever reason she believed in it. Um, and I think we 
took that feeling and brought it here and tried to make this business fun. You know, um, yeah, we, we, we added more technology than we had there. We were more involved in the industry, the one industry we deal with, which is insurance. So yes, we got very involved and we go to every CE and every golf tournament and every trade show. And we've always done that. Um, but internally, you know, it was, there were fun contests, you know, we're, we're real big about, um, our involvement in, and we celebrate the little things to the big things and we celebrate them a lot. And we still do, although in this remote world, it's making it a little harder. Halloween's huge around here. You know, we, we have uh, our anniversary parties and we have company, you know, holiday parties that are really celebrations. And we celebrate every month's big producers and the president's club and the employees of the quarter. Um, but I still feel like we, did that trying to make sure that this was a culture of achievement too, um, that, Hey, we're all here. We're all doing the same thing. We only do one thing. We place people, whether it's temporarily, um, or permanently or directly. Um, and I, and I think that they bought in and I think they feel like, yeah, we're here every day. We're, we're in it. Um, we communicate a lot. I think we're, we're really good at that. And to be honest, we have gotten, crazy, crazy lucky hiring some just amazing people. And I think people are like, yeah, but you must be good at interviewing and finding them. I'm like, I, I mean, we've, we've definitely swung and miss. I think Johnny who's been here 20, you know, gosh, uh, since uh, 23 years, almost, uh, 24. And he keeps a long list of people that have always worked here, which is crazy. And, and, but so we've missed, but the people that we've hit on have just been amazing. And, they're the ones that have really evolved to this culture much more than me. Right. At some point, you know, one guy or one lady or a two or three can't do that. And they bought in and they've then evolved it even more. Um, you know, the Debbie's who's headed up our sales, who's probably the best salesperson I've ever met in my life. Um, Kathy, who I met at a 4th of July party and just asked her, what do you do? And she told me, and then, you know, a month later she was working here and has run our temp division for 20 years. And, um, we just have amazing, amazing talent and they just buy in and they're very helpful. And it's, um, one thing we've also figured out is if, if somebody is not fitting or there's a toxic element to that individual, um, it's not worth anything. Uh, it's not worth the production or the revenue they bring because this is not just about one person and, and their ideals. It's about keeping a group of people kind of trying to be on the same page and forging forward. And it's, it's worked. Um, I, they legitimately, I hope they feel this way that they feel like I care. And, and I do. I mean, I think the whole reason for doing this is um, evolving this thing to where my hope is that quest bros here long after me, um, and keeps getting better and better and better and has nothing to do with me. If you're a recruitment business owner, you might be feeling the pressure to invest in new technology. But how do you invest in technology that is proven to win higher paying clients? Otherwise, overall, you're just making a financial loss. Our trusted partner, iIntro, has a solution for this. They provide recruiters with an online delivery platform for the candidate shortlist. So instead of sending over CVs or resumes, you can send your clients an online profile that includes video, key competency questionnaires, and behavioral assessments. 
It looks more professional than a CV or a PDF. Plus, it helps the client make a more informed decision about who to call to interview. But that's not all. iIntro also provides recruitment business owners with coaching for their team, not just to help them use the software, but to help them use it to win more retained business. Their comprehensive training program is specifically designed to help recruiters at all levels of experience develop their retained recruitment service. In fact, many of the hundreds of recruitment businesses they've worked with win a brand new retained client after only a few weeks of getting started. To see iIntro in action, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to book a free demonstration. There's no obligation, plus you'll also be helping to support this podcast. That's recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Amazing. Okay, so there's a few things I wanted to follow up on there. One, um, having the right people obviously is key. You know, if you have fantastic people, you almost you know, you're going to be successful, even if you're almost in spite of yourself, right? Whereas if you have, you know, average to, you know, below average people, then it's just so much more effort and so much more work to, to, to make this work. So, uh, to, you know, to make the company successful. So having the right people in place is, uh, is, is huge. You mentioned to me, um previously that you've actually been in a situation before where you've let big producers go because they were yep. creating a toxic environment could you say a little more on that because that's i think so many owners make this mistake of they they th- those big billers they're almost um feel like they can't you know what i'm saying they 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 ha- they they can't accept letting go of the, the the revenue, even though it's having a negative impact on everyone else around them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is hard when you're a small company and, um, you know, we hired somebody, um, gosh, right after two. So we didn't really start hiring full time heavily until about 2000. Uh, Johnny was one of our, you know, not the first, but he was of an early group. Um, and we had hired somebody because of the um, really the, a revenue situation where we felt like it would be better. And to be honest, it lasted for way too, too long. Um, it was probably about an eight year run. Fantastic. I mean, we're talking, you know, four to $5 million over an eight year out of one desk. So that's a lot for a little company. Um, I, I decided that um, it was enough based on just the fact that I was spending a lot of times putting out individual fires that had to do around this one person. So did, uh, my staff felt it. Um, it was with everybody. It wasn't just a, you know, one or two or three or four. And, um, that was a really hard decision. And I, I decided to trust that this company's more than one person. I, and I went back to, I asked some advice of some people out in the, you know, what would you do? And that weren't industry specific. And they said, I don't know why you're dealing with that. You know, you are, um, that's not you and that's not what you want to do. When we decided to do this, it was literally around a review time. So we do a kind of common annual review in December. So we were about to roll into the next year. And and when we did it, our next year was our best year we ever had. Wow. Interesting. And, And it had, so, huh. Like that makes, that's crazy, right? It's, 
um, I had at least three, four, um, it may have been more, but I know it was three or four that walked into my office and said, thank you. Um, you know, and whereas I was thinking they would be like, uh Oh, like, what's he doing? Like, has he lost his mind? Um, and it, it worked. And I've had to do that of what I think of like people that have that toxic ability. I can think of two, um, both times it worked out. Um, and, and I think it does show that it's, it's more about the company. It's not about the one person. And, um, it's, it's just a mistake that I think too many people make because it does impact everybody. It doesn't just impact your bottom line. And typically if you have a good crew and a good culture, um, and if you can build something out, it'll, it'll go without them. And it, and it has, yeah. and it's been amazing. Thank you for sharing. What, yeah. What's your interpretation, Kevin, of the fact that after this person exited, you had your best ever year. So that, didn't leave a hole in your billings quite the opposite. Yeah. I mean, some of those, I mean, obviously we, you know, some of those clients probably had um, just as much of, I guess, admiration for quest pro as they did for the individual. Mm -hmm. So we held on to a few. Um, and, and I, the other side of it is, I think there was just a sigh of relief. Um, I know for me, I literally spent Oh man, um, hours a month in individual meetings or one-on-one -on -one sessions, trying to coach that person oh, out of how they are um, and trying to put out a, <clears throat> a fire. And it's just an incredible draining. Um, drain yeah. on you. It's, it's a drain on the individuals. Um, they're focused on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. and, and it's um, so when we flip that, all of that went away. I gave some people an opportunity to step up um, and that we needed it, obviously, but, and they did. And, and I, and I was really, really um, impressed by that. And, you know, we've had a couple of situations that that almost within a year of after that time, our second best producer, uh, who I'm still really good friends with, decided that he, you know, he had a passion and it was in, um, it was in a, it was in a different world. It was in a fashion type world. And he has, he has since started a, a sock company out there and he left and he was a huge producer. I mean, those two combined were, you know, one to 1.5 a year and they left within a two year period wow. and the company kept going. He wasn't toxic. Yes. He, he was actually the opposite of that. Um, but again, it shows that, that the company and, and the, uh, the culture will keep going as you keep evolving and you're consistent with it and um people understand it and they uh they yeah. want to be here Ex right it's exactly. like yeah i mean yes they're they're making money and th th that helps uh you know you want to make placements um but in the end you want to be somewhere where you, you enjoy coming in every single day and up until covid they did so uh it's yeah i can't tell you enough i i wish i had made that move years and years earlier, not been so concerned about the bottom line. Easier said than done. Yeah, no, totally. It's, if you're building an organization, you can't be um, beholden to or overly dependent on, you know, one or two individuals. It has to be about the, uh, you know, the, the good of the business overall. And actually this, just to go deeper on the the culture that you've created there. You use the word empathy, which I think is so important in recruiting. The best recruiters, you know, 
tend to be have have a lot of empathy um and you also mentioned caring uh I did an interview with a guy called Simon LaFosse, uh, who's got a fantastic IT recruiting business, offices in the UK and the US. Um, and he was kind enough to come and do a, a private Q&A session for our clients. Um, so that's a really great episode. I'll link to it in the show notes if people want to review that. But we talked because he's built, I think they've got about 300 uh, staff now. And oh. he really focused on their core values. And one of those values is caring. And it's actually in a neon sign in their office, uh, in the reception, uh, behind the reception desk is this neon sign that says care. And um, they've, they've really uh, reward that the people who um, live by those values, it's, it's part of their, uh, it's all, it's not a KPI, but it's like, your ability to get promoted in the business as well as a number of other things are all tied to you actually um, not just buying into those values, but, but demonstrating them on a, on a day-to-day basis. So how in your business do you feel that the, this idea of a- empathy, it kind of comes, comes through? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it is, it is difficult too, because you don't, um, when you're talking to, you know, individuals day in, day out, whether it's a, you know, a client or a candidate, um, I really feel like, and I think you just interviewed somebody as I was listening to it and I, and I, and I like Chris Donoso a lot. And I think he was talking a little bit about some of this stuff. Um, you know, if you, you have to understand some way, shape, or form in that relationship that you're forming with that candidate and that um, and that client, it, it's about understanding, truly understanding what the issue is and what the problem is. Um, and hopefully there is that issue, right? And, and I think the other side of that is um, you can do that internally with your staff and understand that we all have things going on, right? Um, and it's not always identical to your your situation and and so and it was an extreme to me um weakness probably of me early because i it's not i'm not built that way i wasn't probably brought up that way it's like you go you you work hard um uh, you you do what you do and work you know personal stays there and work work is work and just do your job and then go home and deal with all your other stuff later, but don't bring it in there Mm, as well. And I think we, we have a really good, um, and really now it's, it's my leaders. Um, you know, I think, you know, Kathy leads our temp team, Johnny Taylor, Debbie, you know, they're, they're fantastic at understanding. I think what our group is going through and trying to help them get through it, understanding that, yes, this job is important and, 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 what we do is important, but we need to understand that they're kind of probably having their own ways of dealing with it. And, and it couldn't be whether you're a 20 year recruiter or a one year recruiter, um, you're probably seeing different things and just understanding that and getting to know them a little bit. I think we, you know, as we grow, it's been one of the harder things being remote, um, mainly remote is, is getting to know. Cause I, you know, the folks that have been with me for a long time, I know them really, really well. I know everything about them. I know, you know, husbands or wives or kids or dogs or, um, and, and it's kind of, I think you transfer that all over to what we do professionally. Um, 
I've always said you, you need to know all that about your candidates and your clients. Otherwise, it, you're not going to have these long-term relationships where a candidate's going to refer other candidates or a client's only going to want to work with you because, yes, obviously the end result is you found them somebody, but you're offering an extreme amount of value on top of that to your client. Um, it's not just finding that candidate. You're, you're hopefully adding value in other ways. And on top of that, that they truly do want to work with you, that it, that you're, that you're different in some way. And to me, it's just difference in being consistent and over communicating and um, understanding what they're going through and, and who's exactly making this decision. Um, and those are, you know, back to what we were talking about, about the toxic of that's, that to me was another reason why you make that move internally is that individual or those couple of individuals that we had to let go. Um, we're not doing it the way we do this. So now quest Pro's brands going different ways, right? It's like, Oh, well, most of you do it this way. He or she does it this way. And why is that? And I, I don't, I, over my 20, what now 26 years of doing this, I can probably count 20 times anybody's ever called to complain here. Maybe that sounds like a lot, but not that much over 20. I can tell you right now that 15 to 18 of those were from those two people. Right. And I'm getting complaints from the other side, not internally, externally going, you can't believe what this person said to me or a candidate going, uh, she said this, or he said that. And I'm like, I, so again, the, the empathetic, um, that's not empathetic, right. right? That's that's not understanding the situation and, and the brand. And um, so there's internal and external empathy that I, it's it's a big deal in this industry because this is such a, you know, a, a relationship business. Um, and I think those that don't get it, that just want to throw stuff up against the wall. Um, I really feel like they're having a hard time right now because it just doesn't work. Um, and it's probably over some hot markets where it's just crazy good. You could get away with it. Um, the cream rises in this situation and those that actually are having those deep internal, really good conversations, um, with their candidates and clients, they're probably doing great on um, the ones that aren't and are trying to use technology or just trying to get away with it. It just doesn't work. And, and we see it too much in, in, in our practice individually. Yeah. You know, the difference between those that do and don't. No doubt. No doubt. Kevin, um, I'd like to shift gears here a little bit because you've got a tremendous amount of experience with permanent contingency retained as well as contract staffing. And um it's really interesting. What what's the sort of mix would you say in in your business? What in, is it if you had to give a percentage of <clears throat> gross profit? Yeah, we're areas? about we're about fifty fifty. Okay, um, on on temp business yeah. to uh, contingent slash retained, mm -hmm. they kind of all they they are, they all fall in the same group. Yeah, and it what I I love about that is, and I don't know if this is a difference between the UK and the US, but I find in the US staffing and search are a lot of people think they're completely different things. And yeah. uh, whereas in the UK, it's all just recruitment and there's a, quite a few firms that do both. Um, but I've yeah. come across this mindset in the U S where um, there's this perception that they're completely different and they're brother and sister, as far as I, I I'm concerned. Um, so 
what was the decision to add contract uh, solutions to your business and, and how did you grow that? Yeah. Um, another one where I wish we would have done it earlier. Um, we did it. It was, it was purposeful. We, we knew when we left that other firm, that was one of the things that there was a lot of interest in because you had clients kind of asking us and we would always say no. Mm. Um, That's a sure sign that there's a demand I, there that you need to. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of sense as to why are you saying no? Um, other than, you know, your payrolling and, and trying to figure that, that whole world out. Um, so we kind of did it as a hobby until 2003. And by that, I mean, I, we would say, we wouldn't say no, uh, but we'd run it through like a, through a third party company. And just, we had, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10, um, at a time. And that, that'd be it. In, um, 2003, we decided, all right, that's enough. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna create this second company. We called it Q temps, um, have its own P and L we're going to hire, um, first person I went out and that's when I met at 4th of July party. And I, I talked to Kathy and we needed somebody to run it. And she had temp background and you're in. Uh, so she came in and then we hired Debbie, um, to be our head of sales and help run it as well. And it, those two together have, have really, they've spearheaded this thing. They just make us take off. And it was to diversify our offerings to our clients and give them options, mm-hmm. which is what we really feel like is important. And over the years, I can't, I am so, like I said, I wanted to do it earlier is because I wish I had because it's just an amazing entrance point one way or another. It doesn't matter whether we come in as a staffing arm and we need to help you fill somebody at the front desk or a claims adjuster or an underwriter or a broker or a CSR. Um, it's or you're wanting us to find your next CFO. The entrance points are coming. So our sales team goes out and sells everything and they, you know, they bring us in one way or another. Well, one of the teams does a really good job. The other kind of comes right behind it. And um, it's an it, it's a perfect fit. I, I'm glad more don't do it. Uh, I think they should do it. And because it's uh, it's not that different. I mean, other than the speed is a little different. Yep. Um, obviously, you're traditionally finding either people who enjoy contract work or who are at the current moment available and unemployed. Maybe that's different. But when we track how many people we submit and how many interviews, you'd be surprised in the old days, you just kind of had them show up, right? Um, Not anymore. Uh, There's a lot of interviewing that happens. They get just as many interviews as our perm team does traditionally on a month in, month out basis. Um, It's, we've enjoyed it. And I, I, you know, it's, it's a very profitable side of our business too. Um, and it has that reoccurring functionality and it's gotten us through some really interesting times. Um, you know, during the COVID year, our perm business definitely was down. Our temp business was up. Interesting. Uh, So yeah, yeah, thank goodness. Now we had a, a very large client that happened to call me a month into COVID and say they needed this. So that helps. Uh, but that, that, um, but that aside, it gives your business, I think, a, a just a really good balance and an ability to help your clients in many different ways. And I think the theory that, well, if you're thought of as a temp company, you surely can't be a, a permanent staffing partner or you can't be a retained partner um, is not true because, I, you know, we have a client here locally that we have placed people in their call center 
Um, and they have constantly been using us and we probably have 10 to 12 people that are out there right now. Um, we also have, you know, a search for their number two of the whole entire company going right now. Fantastic, so, Kevin. That's And by the way, yeah. they called us because of that. They called one of our temp recruiters and said, by the way, can you help us with this executive search? And who would do that? And she immediately sent it to me and we're off and running. So it, awesome. it it's not the perception isn't always true, right. especially if you do as good a job as that team exactly, does. Exactly, exactly. No, it's so good to hear you say that because that's kind of in line with what I was thinking as well. And I wanted to validate that because I hear the opposite argument like, oh, well, we it's going to deposition us. We want to be the retained executive recruiters. We can't also do temp or contract or interim or, or something of that nature. So the only, the only other side of that I will add, which is we've had to... Uh, balance or figure out is in the temp world, you don't really, it doesn't matter, right? We want everybody to use us. Um, so it, it, that's great. Well, in the permanent staffing or the direct staffing, you can't have that. You need to have sources. You that need to have clients. Yeah. So we have to tiptoe a little bit there mm. um, and be aware of what they're doing just as much as, as what we're doing. So we have this, uh, ginormous, uh, what we call it's in our CRM. Now it's called a hands-off list so that people are aware of right. who, what, who are they working with? Who are we working yes. with? Where's their commonality? And then which ones stand out alone? Because if they have, you know, a call center of 20 people out there and we're in there recruiting on the back end, that doesn't last very long mm. before somebody gets fairly upset. Absolutely. And we've had a couple of those happen where a recruiter just kind of misses it. They're like, Oh, they're, they're owned by, they're part of that. Um, but that's that's workable. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it is definitely workable. And the um, the positives out uh, outweigh that by a, a million percent. Definitely. A hundred percent. You mentioned you also have a grad division. Could you explain what that entails? Yeah. Because there's also a maybe a myth that at least in the US and in, in the UK, it's maybe more common that, you know, uh, companies aren't going to pay a placement fee for a grad because they can just go and find those themselves, right? So yeah. they are going to hire us for the more senior and specialist, really difficult, highly skilled, you know, type of individuals. So can you explain what you've done there? Yeah. Um, so that kind of started, um, I think is a way to possibly give back to some of our clients into this in one industry we serve because there's a lot of risk um, RMI programs, risk insurance management programs that are out in the uh, in the world and in the U.S. And um, we thought, okay, so we go to these job fairs occasionally, especially some of our local ones where our, our the offices kind of sit, and we we meet this young talent and. I thought back to my, I think as we've told my story where I, I interned and then I uh, took that job. I, I interviewed hardly any other place. Well, I thought, well, if you're not the, the most go-getter, I never went to a job fair. When I was graduating, I should have. I just wasn't, didn't. I was thinking, if you don't go to those job fairs, if you don't listen to your professors, if you don't do this, you don't do that. So what if... Um, we get involved with these RMI programs, we meet some of these professors, we talk to them, um, and we give the student other options that they may not know of because the people that attend all the job fairs are mainly the larger companies or the local companies that have 
time and resources to do that. Well, I've got a lot of other clients that don't have the time and resources, and maybe I can give those students other options. That's one thought. The other side is I'm giving my clients the ability who now just see certain ones from certain large university. Maybe I'm giving them other options as well. And what we decided to do is just kind of see if we could put some matches together. Um, I will be honest. Uh, it is not my million dollar division. It is not one that is making me um, super, super wealthy. I haven't quite figured that out, but there are clients that utilize us for either uh, internships, um, contractability. Um, we've placed those people coming out where they're looking for that young talent. Um, and what we've probably decided now is as we talk to some of these students is it's a little easier to then take those profiles of the eight to 10 that you're really impressed by. So note to self for students, you know, have yourself together when you're talking to a recruiter, be, be ready, be able to sell yourself and take them to our clients and say, Hey, here's somebody who's available. Here's their background. If you're interested, we do a flat fee on that. It's not a 20 or 25%. Um, so we take it down to, you know, about a, you know, anywhere from depending on what the roles are for five to $7,500 higher. Yeah. The other thing we've done is we take 10% of every fee we make and we give it back to the RMI program that the student just came out of to keep that thing rolling. Well, that's a cool because idea. We only have, we, we only deal with insurance. So I want to make sure, even though I'm fairly sure it'll be okay without us, um, why not us be a part of helping this thing continue to evolve talent and, and make people aware of this insurance industry, which is so robust and crazy. And um, it's made its way through everything. I mean, from I've seen financial disasters and 9-11 and COVID and insurance. Did it have hiccups? Sure. But compared to other industries, it kind of just works its way through. It's backed up and going quicker. Um, so that was that was the plan. Um, like I said, we're still evolving it. Yeah. Let's put it that so look, way. I understand it's not super profitable. On the other hand, as a long-term play, you are getting the relationship with those grads, you know, and, you know, they're going to progress. And three, five years later, they either become exactly. a, a exactly. placeable candidate or they become a hiring manager, you know, so it's, it's not, it is a longer term thing. It's not maybe um, a, a, a quick fix. On the other hand, in some industries like let's say accounting um, recruiters can make good money placing newly qualified, uh, you know, CPAs, for example, uh, there's, there's oh, a yeah. lot of business there. And, and, and I think if you're, you're getting them, like you said at the beginning, you're understanding who they are. You're watching them evolve. We keep them kind of on these, you know, these uh, you know, call lists, terror yeah. sheets, whatever you want yeah, to call yeah. them. Um, and then from there, you can continue to communicate with those individuals. Mm -hmm. And then as everybody always wants, what? The two to five year person. We can never find those two to exactly. five year people. Well, they're all there. There they all right. are. And you just keep reaching out to them. You're linked in with them. Um, you kind of have a little built-in little world that you're you're building and evolving. And I always thought we tried to build out an app, which was a disaster. And um, I'll maybe try that again here soon. But I um, tried to figure okay, out a way good for to you for trying that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. 
Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugie to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. You talked about how you're glad that you started the contract staffing company and, and wish you'd done it sooner, but we didn't say like how successful it's been like you've got 150 to 200 temps out yeah uh, you know at any one time yeah yeah and um it's really been you know like i said i that team of folks the recruiters uh leaders sales folks are they're they're amazing um and you know the other thing we do is is very mother nature driven as well as as part of our being in the insurance industry catastrophic events caused that business to go through the roof um like 200% so the large scale hurricanes the katrinas the harveys uh irmas those those events um and then you mix in tornadoes and hailstorms and things like that um it you know that causes that business to really jump um and on top of that i kind of feel like you know we're we're adding even more value there because we are helping people get back you know into their homes and if they don't have enough claim staff whatever the the role may be um you know it's it makes that difficult so i think we you know over these years we've done a really good job of helping our clients um, make sure that their clients are handled in a very speedy way during what is a really tragic event for them. So we're, we're definitely behind, behind, behind the scenes. Um, but it is another way we add value. And then on top of that, yeah, the bottom line, the, the revenue side of that does not hurt. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but um, you, you're forging. And I just, you know, at a large insurance conference, we were just at many of the, the really good conversations I had, um, including an hour long conversation on a, on a video call were all about cat claims and, and how you could be, you know, a better partner and how we can do that as this world evolves. Um, so yeah, it's, awesome. a, it's an interesting piece of our business. Yeah. Fantastic. And you, well, speaking of the world evolving, um, Obviously, technology has had a huge impact on yeah. the way that recruiters operate and the way that we interact with clients and candidates. How are you guys embracing change, embracing technology in order to stay relevant and just be at the forefront of being able to serve your clients and being you know, among the best at what you do? Yeah, we've really... Um I think we've done a really good job of doing that over the years as those things become available. 
but right now, uh, we discuss this a lot and because we have gone from, you know, a business that, as I said, pick up a piece of paper or open up a list and just start calling as many people as you can possibly call. Hopefully they fit somewhere in where you're trying to talk to. And there's a little bit of a piece of that that still exists to utilizing the, the things that I think most people are using as recruiters, that the LinkedIn, the LinkedIn recruiters, those are, those are one thing. Um, but how you use your own CRM um, is another thing. And we've, you know, that this database has 650,000 people in contacts oh my gosh. and clients. And so um, we try to now build out things that are, um, a little more of a project basis per search or a project basis per specialty to where we're now, you know, part of what we do is do videos of, of our recruiters talking about what they're going to do, where they put those up in yes, in LinkedIn, but in other places as well, including embedding them in our emails versus just sending a text email. Cool. Um, Texting. Uh, we used to never text other than our temp recruiters always texted. Yeah. Uh, so now a text campaign goes out on top of that. And then the other side of that that we've just started doing is our researchers, our name generators, uh, although they do way more than name generation. Um, we built out some automation platforms that now send out that initial email, but continue to drip to those people on top of that, there's texting involved in that. So all the communication that's coming back, positive, negative, interested, not interested is now expedited time-wise by a thousand percent because you can add all this together and you're contacting now a group of 300, 400, 500, a thousand, in some cases, people like that. And it's continuing to happen while you now as a recruiter can narrow down your targets of who you really want. Hopefully it's helping put people on your calendar calendars through Calendly. Um, and you're, you're really filling up your days much more than you just being out and, Oh, I got to go find, you know, 30 people that fit this. Hope they respond to my LinkedIn email. Oh, I hope they answer their phone, which is harder and harder. Exactly. And, harder. and then if they don't, we, then, we oh, are well. doing it all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. We teach like multi-channel multi-touch, it's a campaign. It's not a single, you know, contact, yeah. uh, you know, effort of I'm going to phone and leave a message. I'm going to send an email. I'm, you know, and then I'm going to move on to the next name. It's okay. So they didn't respond to the email, but I've got all these other channels that I can leverage. Oh, and we're going to use video as well to try and personalize it and really get someone's attention. Um, yeah, because I don't, I feel like people are, and, and by the way, we have people internally here who are, uh, you know, like doing this, like, ah, I don't, why would I, do I really need to shoot that video? You really want me to text people and, you know, in, uh, does that work? And, and so I, I recently, I haven't been producing as much as, as, as I have in, in my past career. So, um, part of what I was talking to Gail about and where Gail kind of, you know, kicked me a little bit, um, was I said, Hey, I, I, I think I'm going to recruit in 23 again because I I am hearing all of these theories and in my mind I'm giving them my thoughts on what should work not what does work. Mm. Um so I decided I'm going to do this and if I'm going to do this I'm going to do everything that we have in big time fashion. Uh, so I started working cer- certain searches. Yeah. Well I can tell you I made 3 deals 
And I made them quickly and I sent it to Gail and she's like, you're bragging. And I'm like, no, I just wanted you to know as somebody who knew that I was going to do it, that I, I can still do this. And one of them responded to a video of mine that I put out on LinkedIn, didn't respond to an email, didn't respond to our text. By the way, didn't answer my first phone call. Um, responded to that video, ended up taking her to the end. Another one responded directly to a text. She and I text back and forth. She texts me her resume to start. I then set up an appointment and I did that. The other one was very much in a traditional channel where it came out of our database and I kind of just called them and I, and I got there and, and I looked at it going, so that's three deals and I'm not you know, saying I'm the better recruiter or any, you know, cause I'm, I'm not at this point in my career, I, I, I'm probably very rusty. Uh, but I did want to point out to everybody internally that, Hey, this stuff works and it really doesn't matter whether you think it works or doesn't. Cause if you try it, if you perfect it, we're going to have to make some changes as we go along. Um, I didn't think my video was that great. I didn't really know that my text was that great. Um, probably the best part of that was our automation stuff that we were doing that were taken by our researchers, but it shows that in this market, it really, you know, however you can get these people to set up time for you then to get into that detailed, empathetic, understanding discussion with them is the key. And and you have to embrace it. Otherwise, I feel like this whole world and how we communicate and how you then put these matchmaking sessions together is going to pass you by. And um, and we we've seen some of that in our internal staff, people that are embracing it. They're having some luck, you know, they're, they're, they're probably getting there a little bit better so much that I haven't done it yet. I'm about to. Um, so if anybody's watching this, that's one of our clients, I guess, uh, about texting to sell, uh, because our sales team doesn't do it. Uh, they don't, they do the videos, they do some of the other things. Um, but sending out a, you know, not a mass text, but you know, a very targeted text and saying, Hey, I'm, I know this is unusual approach, but if you're interested in all learning about talent and what we're seeing in your individual market that can really find you the talent you're looking for, I'd love to have a detailed discussion with you. If it's not, delete the text or say no, and, and it's that easy. But what could go wrong? I mean, at the very least, they're going to say no. They're going to ignore you. I don't think they're going to think less of you if you do it properly. And I just feel like that's that's a key. It's It's the touch points. It's don't do this just one way because I don't. I don't know that that'll work. Could you sit there and make 150 phone calls a day still and be effective? Probably, you know, but who wants to do that? I mean, it's really, you know, the amount of wasted time in that effort is pretty significant. If I can send out all these different channels and one has an impact on that one person, whether they saw the video or they saw the text or they saw the email, or maybe they returned my voicemail. I really don't care, you know, as long as I'm getting to that conversation and having those quality quality, quality communications. Um, that's all we really should care about. Exactly. It's so interesting. I, I'd love to follow up with you and hear how your text uh, experiment goes on the client side, because yeah, it's something we've uh, researched. But so far, I think the consensus among our clients is that texting candidates uh, is kosher and texting clients might be not well received. And so there's a fear yeah. of no upsetting you know, the client. And so, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how that, yeah, you know, they, they haven't exactly bid on it other than they were like, you go ahead and just let <laughs> us know. And I said, well, let me do it to at least have enough volume to it. 
Um, and then I think one of our reps said, the only thing we're worried about is what if it's just, well, they know you, they, they've understood you. And I go, well, that's not my theory is to send it out to people that only know me. Right. It would be to people that don't know me. Um, but yeah, I, I have that same, and I, I guess there's only one way to find out. Um, I don't know that I need to do this to a thousand because if you don't, if it does go wrong and you just, wow, you just did it to a thousand people, maybe to <laughs> start small targeted right. towards a, a couple of, uh, I don't know, targeted organizations and just see. Yes. Um, and I think it is the wording and how you do it. Um, we have a pretty cool tax platform within our, that, that helps make it look a little better and, um, not feel so, um, I don't know, not feel so, um, overly salesy, more informative yes. and Hey, can I, can I help you in, in some way, shape or form? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. So what, what is your current tech stack then, Kevin, the, the tools that you rely on that you couldn't do without? Yeah, we use, um, so we're, we've been bullhorn people for a long time yeah. and, um, genius model of uh, having these marketplace partners that they eventually bring in themselves and, and sell it because you can't deal without it. So we use text us versus yeah. the bullhorn texting platform um, and really enjoy it. Um, we use uh interview um, yeah. intro interview as far as the video functionality. That's a British um, company. And then we also use bullhorn automation, um, yeah. which was here fish previously um, to use all of our drip campaigns, whether those are two candidates or clients, et cetera. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we have a bunch of other things that we use. We use bullhorn in analytics, which was cute 19 previously. Ah, we use insight squared in the past. Is I'm really into numbers. Uh, my Me staff too. probably say too uh, too too much as they, they I drive them crazy. Uh, but uh, you know, I one of the things I've always figured out, is, and I did this a years ago, is when we hit certain numbers, and those numbers were always around submissions and interviews um, over about a 15 year period. We missed our goal twice when we did it. When yes. we didn't, it became a much more of a, of a different situation. So that's why I go over the numbers. But I think all of those things, and we're looking at more. Uh, yeah. I just was um, at, a, at a conference where I've, I've learned about some more things that I think can really help us. And all I'm trying to do is arm the recruiters, researchers, sales teams with as many, that holster's full and hopefully get you to better communication. And I think if you just sit there and look back at, you know, way back in my beginning when we didn't embrace the computer or at the old firm. And that was the first thing we bought when we came here. Oh, that was a mistake, right? It just doesn't make Absolutely. sense to how to do that. And we're you, kind of in, I think somebody said the other day, we're in the, uh, we're in the, the uh, beginning of the computer phase or the fax phase of some of these things that are now out there um, that you can utilize, whether it's, you know, the chat GPTs and all those things that are out there, the, the drips that behind the scenes, the, there's a lot out there. Um, I'm not saying they all work because I don't know that, but I know you have to try embrace them because all we're trying to do is, is put quality deals together and get to that talent and have really good conversations. It shouldn't matter how you do that. Um, as an owner of a firm, I get that you got to be careful because your margins can really shrink if all of this stuff is you're adding all of this, but your revenue is not going up. There's the key is hopefully all of this somehow has to be able to generate more uh, placements, more ability to generate revenue 
the quality needs to be there because I think once you get the quality, it'll generate that more. Mm-hmm. But it, it is it's it's out there and it's really really amazing stuff um, that is available to us. Um, we're, I, we're trying to figure it all out, and, and I think uh, as you do, you're preaching to the converted here, Kevin, because we like we are all over this. We love, um, you know, new technology. I suffer from shiny object syndrome, so I'm t- I'm uh, <laughs> liable to kind of go off and and. and like try every new thing and my team needs to kind of pull me back. But we, it, because in our program, everybody sort of shares what their, t- what tools are trying, how the, what their experience is, how well it's working. So we've got a good handle on, you know, what's available and, 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 uh, and how effective it is. So I, I think you're a hundred percent on the right path that you're adopting and embracing that. Um, there was something else I was going to ask you, but it's, it's it's flown. Was there anything you wanted to add on the technology side, or <clears throat> no? I th- I, th- I think that was about it. Yeah, I think that's about it because it it is just just embrace it, um, yeah. try it, uh, learn it, and and keep evolving it um, to your you know to your standards and make sure it works for you. But I think ignoring it is is a major mistake. Um, and I and I've seen it you know firsthand in our in our own situation and. You know, you can say, well, that was just pure luck that all that stuff happened um, at that time when you wanted it to happen to show to prove the the theory that I'm proving to you that it's all that way. I I, I don't agree. I, I I think that there was some. It just shows that that's what you have to do to be effective in in your job. Yeah. To be honest, too, it's it, you know when I first started in this business, it was the work at seven in the morning till seven eight at night. Yes. Um. You don't have to do that. And a lot of these tools allow you to not do that. Our top producer, he he's an eight to five guy. Yeah. I mean, in, in eight to five and don't call me on the weekend guy. Uh, so, um, and a lot of that is, is how he, he handles his business. Um, and I think we all could kind of learn from that. And, um, and some things are going to work better for certain folks, but it, it's, it's amazing what's out there. You just have to kind of learn to embrace it. It's kind of exciting. I don't, I don't know if it's a, like get you to, you know, rejuvenate you a little bit to feel like you're relearning this business from a yeah, different, definitely. Uh, a different aspect. And for somebody who's been doing it as long as me, um, I, I think that's a good thing to maybe have that little bit of a jolt of, Hey, let's do this a little differently. Definitely keeps it fresh. And, and I think, you know, learning is uh, definitely rejuvenating. Uh, Kevin, I see golf clubs in the background there. Um, yeah. I, have you ever been to Scotland? No, it's a, it's a, it's a bucket list for me for sure. Um, awesome. I talk about that often. I've turned down a couple of opportunities to go with groups. Um, I regret it. Okay. So I, I would love to. Well, if you're in the neighborhood, give me a, give me a shout. We could meet up for a coffee and. Uh, I, I would love to do that. Cool. I'd love to do that. Yeah. It's my one, uh, it's my, it's my other passion for sure. It's a, it's a constant battle, much like recruiting. I don't know that I'll ever be, uh, figure out how to exactly conquer it because there's no way to conquer it. Uh, right. but it's, a, it's an ever evolution of, uh, of me and it, it's, it's a passion for sure. I love it. All right, Kevin. Well, look, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, enjoyed listening all this time. Hopefully there's there's some value in there somewhere for somebody. For sure, 100%. So thank you, Kevin. That was, that was awesome. Thank you.
All right, fantastic. So what were your golden nuggets from that conversation with Kevin Birch? I'll tell you my top three takeaways. Number one was the lesson of not letting a toxic person who is disrupting your culture and adversely affecting other people, not letting them stick around just because they're a big biller. That's that's a huge takeaway right there. Number two was the idea of diversifying your revenue stream. So if you are currently only doing temporary staffing, you absolutely need to add permanent or direct hire and vice versa. If you are currently only doing direct hire permanent placements, you need to figure out how to add that recurring revenue stream, either temporary contract, interim, you know, uh, some kind of solution there. So that's takeaway number two. And takeaway number three is got to be just embracing technology. Do not continue to do things the way you've always done them, because guess what? The world is changing, the industry is changing, and we need to evolve and adapt. And so, you know, even 26 years into his career, Kevin is the one leading the charge in his business and encouraging others to adopt all the tools and platforms that they're making available to their teams in order to better reach the right people, be it on the sales side or the recruiting side. If you're not already deep into you know, that, figuring out automation, figuring out your tech stack, then uh, you know, what are you waiting for? You need to get on top of that. We can definitely help you. If you want to learn more about that, then reach out to us and, and schedule a call. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.